You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm chapter uh, 144, Psalm 144, and uh, we'll read, I'll read the uh, odd verses to you, and we'll have you read the even verses uh, together, and when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. The book of Psalms, we're looking at Psalm 144, and when you find your place there, say amen. Amen, Amen. that's most of us, and... uh, Praise the Lord, we're looking forward to hearing Pastor preach tonight and some exciting announcements there. Psalm chapter 144, again, I'll read the odd verses and we'll read the even verses together. Verse number one, the Bible says, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight, my goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man that thou makest account of him? Man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning, and scatter them, shoot out thine arrows, and destroy them. Send thine hand from above, rid me, and deliver me out of great waters, from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings, Will I sing praises unto thee? It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Rid me, and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace, that our gardeners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people That is in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Amen. And you may be seated right there. I appreciate, uh, Brother Dan, I appreciate you reading. I appreciate you reading along uh, with Brother Dan on the scripture. And aren't you thankful for the Bible? I'm so glad that we have the word of God. And it is my desire tonight to share with you some truths that I hope will be a help to you from this psalm. Before I uh, go any further, I do want to mention, I I meant to say it earlier, but Brother Nathan will be preaching on Wednesday night, so uh, we're all in for a treat. I'm already looking forward to Wednesday night. Uh, We might just dismiss and go home and just come back Wednesday night. That'll be good. 
And then, um, I, I'm sorry I didn't introduce last week, but uh, Dale and Ann, we're so honored to have you folks here. And uh, Maurice, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, Mike, you folks know Mike, he's been visiting with us. And it's good to have visitors, and uh, it's good to have folks that come and, uh, and join us for church. And we're honored that you're here. And you know, for folks that are, are visitors online, we got a lot of folks who've been watching online uh, who are new to our church, and we're excited about that. And uh, God has been so good to us. Just all that He's done, uh, we could be here a long time just counting our blessings. Notice Psalm 144. Let's have prayer, and we'll jump right into the Bible study and the message for tonight. Lord, we love you. You've been so good. I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Thank you for a wonderful day. I thank you for the drive-in service this morning. I thank you for the Sunday school hour. I thank you for the 11 o'clock service. Thank you tonight for the uh, choir practices. I thank you for the nursery workers, the uh, folks helping in our pastor's pals. Thank you for our sound men. I thank you for our musicians. I thank you for our faithful members. I thank you for the uh, privilege, Lord, you've given us tonight to uh, take on two new missionaries. I thank you for that gift of that property, Lord, that you laid upon the heart of Pastor Jenkins before he went home to heaven that you laid it upon his heart, Lord, his desire for it to uh, come to our ministry and be used for your honor and for your glory. And Lord, we do not take for granted the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, we still are amazed that you would give us that radio station a year ago. And Lord, to think of all the people that have been helped and all the people who've heard the gospel and the people who've been encouraged by the music and the teaching and the preaching. Lord, I pray that we would always be very careful to give you the honor and the glory for anything and everything good that happens in this place. And Lord, for anything that happens that's not good, Lord, we know who's to blame for that. That's on us. But Lord, everything good and all of the blessings are because of you. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 144, verse number 1. It's a, a very interesting verse. It almost kind of seems like it's, it kind of stands out as a little bit odd unless you think about the person that's writing it. The person that's writing this psalm is a man by the name of David. We know him as a shepherd boy. We know him as a king, but also let's not forget that David was one of the mightiest warriors to ever live. It really started before Goliath, but God empowered David with his bare hands to kill a lion and to kill a bear, and those were confidence builders. So for David, when he saw Goliath, he told King Saul, he said, I'm not worried about this guy. I'm not worried about this, Yehu. God's helped me to kill a lion, and God's helped me to kill a bear, and God can deliver Goliath into my hand. And of course, God used David that day to defeat Goliath. After David had defeated Goliath, the people, they were already getting on board. They were already excited. They began to sing songs in the streets. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. They were marching in the streets, uh, congratulating and cheering for this young man who had become a warrior in Israel. Not only did David defeat Goliath, but David became a mighty, powerful general that led God's army and God's people against the nations surrounding as a matter of fact, they had a certain group of men who were the elite forces of the day. And they named those men David's mighty men. 
Everybody wanted to be like David. Everybody wanted to have the strength and everybody wanted to have the courage and everybody wanted to have the victories that David had. So in verse number one, David says, time out. I want to give all the glory for any victory I've ever won, for any battle I've ever fought. I want to give all the glory to God because he's the one that taught me how to fight. Blessed be the Lord my strength which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Notice that first phrase, blessed be the Lord, my strength. Can I remind us all tonight that God is not just part of our strength. Uh, you know, we, I was talking to Brother and Mrs. Askey before choir practice and they caught me in the fellowship hall. A lot of people have caught me in the fellowship hall. I like to go in that kitchen. And I don't raid the refrigerator, but I do go by and I have a visit with that coffee pot. And let me tell you, that coffee, I'm feeling really good right now. You may be tired, you may be worn out, but I'm feeling really good right now thanks to a, a half a cup of coffee that I had time to drink. I'm feeling good. You know, that coffee helps me. Uh, the food that I ate for lunch that my wife prepared, that helps me. That gives me energy. There's other things that we have that give us our strength, physical strength. But can I tell you, all of our strength, all of our ability comes from God. He's not just the source of strength. He is the strength. He is everything that we need. The songwriter said, Jesus Christ is made to me all I need. He's all we need. Without him, we can do nothing. He is our strength. But then it says, he teaches my hands to war. He teaches my fingers to fight. This psalm was probably uh, 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 written and probably uh, recorded shortly after the battle with Goliath. You see, God has to teach us. And as we talked this morning and spoke this morning, we're in a battle. And you know who's going to be able to teach you how to fight? Jesus Christ the one who is victorious, the conquering king, the one who has never lost a battle. And Jesus must help you, and he must help me in the battles that we fight. Before we go to battle, we better make sure we've got our armor on. We talked about that this morning. Before we go to battle, we better make sure we've got our weapon ready. Before we go to battle, we must have our strategy. We must have our preparation. We must have our strength and our stamina, and we must go in the power of God. David was a shepherd, but God made him a soldier. David had a sling, but God gave him a sword. God certainly taught David and instructed David very well, and David was quick to praise God for the victories he had won in battle. I want to ask you a question tonight, but what is the Lord teaching you? What is the Lord trying to instruct you or what is the Lord trying to instruct me in? David said, the Lord teacheth my hands for battle and the Lord teaches my fingers to fight. But did you know when you'll let Jesus be your teacher, you'll learn a lot. When you let Jesus teach you and when you let him show you and you let him work on you, he's the best teacher you'll ever have. I've had some good teachers in my life and I thank God for the school teachers and I thank God for the Sunday school teachers and I thank God for the coaches and the, the pastors and youth pastor and I thank God for all the people in my life. But the greatest teacher that's ever lived and the greatest teacher in your life and mine is a man named Jesus. 
He'll teach you if you'll listen. He'll teach you if you'll let him. We are in a battle. We must allow God to teach us how to fight. We must allow God to give us the strategy for the battle that we're in. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to God to the pulling down of strongholds. We must be taught how to fight. Verse number two, God is my goodness and my fortress. Now, we're still talking about a battle. We're talking about war. We're talking about things necessary to fight against the enemy. And David said, God is my goodness. He's my fortress. He's my high tower. He's my deliverer. He's my shield. He, it's he in whom I trust. And he subdueth the people under me. You know what that word subdue means? It means to walk all over people. It means to tread over people. It means to conquer. And you know what David said? Every battle I've ever won, Every enemy I've ever conquered is because God gave me the victory. David talks about a fortress. He talks about a high tower. Can you imagine being able to be on a battlefield against an enemy, but you also have the protection of a fortress everywhere you go? You see, a fortress is usually defensive. A high tower is usually a place that you run. But David said, God is that for me. And everywhere I go, God is with me. If I'm on the battlefield, he's my sword, he's my shield, he's my fortress, he's my high tower. He's everything I need to win the battle. I'm glad that God is with us and God gives us the victory in our battles. Notice his power, number one, we've seen the power of God, the strength of God, uh, the, the victory that God gives. But then notice verse number five. Now David is praying because he's got some enemies he wants God to take care of. Uh, anybody have anyone like that maybe that you want God to take care of for you? David's got some amazing prayers he prays. He's got some imprecatory psalms where he is literally praying down God's judgment upon people. I'm not so sure I'd recommend uh, sharing that with your coworker. Hey, I've been praying a, a particular psalm for you. Praying that God will send lightning down and strike you. I wouldn't do that. That's probably not a good testimony. But David said in verse 5, Bow thy heavens, O Lord. Come down. Touch the mountains and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows and destroy them. And you know what's amazing is God can send lightning. God can touch the mountains. God can bow down the heavens because he's the creator. He has all power. He has all might. We see Psalm 144, verse 1, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. It has been said that knights as far back as the 12th century had this verse engraved on their swords to help them and to give them confidence in battle. Now, I don't think too many of you are carrying swords around, at least I hope not. Uh, maybe some of you might engrave it on your, your gun or something like that. But I'll tell you, a sword we've got right here, we've got the sword of the Lord, the word of God that we can take into battle, and we can have power in battle through the Lord. Number one is power. Number two, I want you to see perspective. Verse number three, David says, Lord... What is man that thou takest knowledge of him? 
or the son of man that thou makest account of him? And then in verse 4, David reminds all of us what we really are. He says, man is like to vanity. That word vanity, uh, in, in some cases, the word vanity or vain, it means empty or, or, or useless or worthless. But in this case, this word vanity is literally the word breath or vapor. You know what the New Testament says about our life? Our life is as a vapor, right? That appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. So not only is God so great in his power, and not only is God so great in his wisdom and in his might and in his majesty and in his glory, but God is everlasting. And man, we are here for just a vapor. We're just here for a short time and we're gone. And David says, God, how is it that you would even notice us? How is it that you would even think about us? How is it, God, that you would even care about us? But he does. Notice verse number uh, four. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. It's literally like the shade. You know what's true about the shade? Doesn't last very long because that sun's moving. And that shade might be there for a while, but eventually it vanishes. And God has given us life. Our life is so short. But David's perspective, he said, Lord, I can't believe how good you've been to me. God, I can't believe that you would care about me. As great as God is, it's amazing that God would not only care about us, he would not only notice us, but he would love us. And he would send his only begotten son to die on a cross so that we as sinful man could have eternal life. What an amazing God. You know what's so true about perspective though? God is so big. The closer you get to God, the bigger you realize that he is. The more you recognize his power, the more you recognize his might. But on the flip side, the further you get away from God, the smaller he seems. The less you think you need him. The more you think that you're going to be okay or the more I think I'm going to be okay. And without him, we are nothing. The perspective, David says, Lord, what is man? We see a, a similar passage in Psalm 8. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Number three, we see protection in this psalm. Verse two, David says, you're my fortress. You're my high tower. You're my shield. Verse number six, I love this. He says, uh, cast forth the lightning and scatter them. Lord, get rid of them. Destroy them. Verse seven, he says, deliver me out of great waters. Uh, waters many times in the Bible, speaking of the overflowing of rivers or the floods that would come. And David was saying, Lord, would you deliver me from these dangerous waters that I'm facing? And then I got to say verse number seven, this is awesome. He says, deliver me out of great waters and from the hand of strange children. That is incredible right there. Because how many of you know some strange children? How many of you, they live in your home? And you know that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? Right? Come on now. How many of you, you don't have strange children in your home, but you know a home that does have some strange children? And all the Sunday school teachers and workers said amen to that. Um, this word strange is an interesting word. It's not like the word we use, uh, although 
I'm, I'm kidding about children. I've got Lacey and Savannah in here, and they are not strange. They are precious. They are incredible. I love them. Now, Chloe and Kylie can be a little strange sometimes. Right, girls? Right, we'll talk about them. But did you know that, and be careful I say this, but did you know that, and I'm looking, I'm looking online here because I don't want to make eye contact with anybody in here. But for those of you watching online, I can't see who's watching right now, but I'm looking at you. Did you know that independent Baptist churches attract some strange individuals? I'm, I can't look at you to see your response, so somebody help me with an amen or something. How many of you know that, right? Okay, all right. So I can look at you now here. But you know, I've, I've known in my life, and I'm not talking about people here, I'm talking about other, other churches now, but I've met some strange ducks in my life, let me tell you. I've met some strange, strange people. Brother Dan is not one of them, but Brother Dan and I, we could tell you stories you would not believe about people that are strange and people that are odd. And those same people probably think the same thing about us, right? They're probably like, yeah, Jeremy and Dan, those are the strange ones. But I've known some strange people. This is not what it's talking about, strange children. This word strange, it means different or foreign and not, not what they should be, not what they ought to be, not what God would have them to be. Now, if children are strange, if children are different, if children are not the way that God would have them to be, you know, many times where that responsibility falls, falls on the parents. Now, I understand that children get to a point where they make decisions for themselves and you can train up a child and you can do all you can to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but they've got to make choices for themselves. I understand that. But this is not what David's talking about here. He's talking about children that were strange. The Bible uses that word strange to talk about a strange woman in the book of Proverbs. The Bible talks about strange flesh. It's something that is foreign. It's, not, it's something that is not right. It's not the way it should be. These were people that David said they were foreign to what God had planned for his people. We'll get to this a little bit more in a minute, but notice verse number uh, seven, deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speak vanity. These are empty words. These are, are, are words that have no point, no meaning. He said, deliver me from the vain words and deliver me from the right hand of falsehood. Falsehood is lies and deceit. I want to remind us this evening as God's people, we must be so careful to guard our words. You know, it's so easy just to say something and then not think about it or to say something and say, well, you know, it's not a big deal. The Bible says these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination and on that list are lying lips and, and those that speak deceit, can I tell you, God hates lying. God hates it with a passion. It is an abomination. You say, but everybody I work with lies. Well, that may be so, but that doesn't mean you have to be a liar. Everybody I know in my family, they're all a bunch of liars and you, they don't tell the truth. Well, guess what? Maybe you ought to break the trend. Maybe you ought to break the mold and say, hey, I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm going to tell the truth. You say, but I might, I might not help me at my job to tell the truth. Well, I wouldn't worry about standing before the boss as much as I'd worry about standing before Almighty God for giving an account for my words. 
But God hates lying, a lying tongue and a false witness that speaketh lies. God says, I hate it. Verse 11, David says, rid me. He says, rescue me, get me out of this mess, deliver me from the hand of strange children. We see, number one, the power. Number two, perspective. Number three, protection. David says, give me protection from these people. And then number four, we see the praise. David says in verse nine, I will sing a new song unto thee, O God. Upon a psaltery and an instrument of 10 strings will I sing praises unto thee. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go out tonight and you have to learn a brand new song. I'm not saying that you, you, you have to sing a new song and you can't sing a song you already know. I'm not talking about that. But you know, as God's people, when we sing praises to God, there ought to be a newness. There ought to be a freshness. There ought to be a passion in us. When we sing these songs and you say, I've sung how great thou art a million times. Well, good. Sing it like it's the first time. I've sung to God be the glory so many times I could sing it in my sleep. Well, maybe don't do that. You might, you know, wake up your household. But when you do wake up and you do sing it, sing it like you mean it. David said, I'm going to sing a new song of praise unto God. God wants to hear you sing. God loves to hear his people sing. I know I'm talking to people here in this auditorium that we've had congregational singing. Congregational singing is not for Brother Nathan to have to stand up and sing while we stare. It's for him to lead while we sing with him. For people that are watching online, it might be a little awkward or might be a little different in your living room or your kitchen or those listening on the radio in your car. Can I tell you, you ought to sing. God wants to hear us sing and he is worthy of our praise. David says, I will sing praise unto God. Verse 10, it is God that giveth salvation and delivereth David from the hurtful sword. That word hurtful means deadly. Now, I don't know for a fact that this is what David was talking about, but I wonder if David was referring to Goliath's sword right here. He said, God delivered me from the deadly, the hurtful sword of Goliath. You say, why do you think that? Well, that was one of the first swords he encountered. And he didn't have a sword, you remember? He had a sling and he had to use Goliath's sword to chop off Goliath's head with his own sword. But then what did he do with that sword? He saved it. He kept it. Later, when he was running from Saul, he went there to the temple and he said, give me that sword. He said, I'll use that sword. Uh, it was saved and it was put away in safekeeping, I think, as a reminder to David of God's power to give him the victory over Goliath. Can I tell you, God delivered David from some hurtful, some deadly weapons. And God can deliver you from some things in your life that if it were not for the grace of God, you wouldn't be here tonight. If it were not for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here tonight, but God delivered. God showed up. God rescued you when nobody else was around, when nobody else could help. God stepped in and David said, I'm gonna praise God for that. And then we get to number five. Lastly, we see the prosperity. David says in verse 12 that our sons, now we're not talking about strange children now. We're talking about sons and daughters that are doing it the way that God wants it done. He said our sons may be as plants 
grown up in their youth, and that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. You see, prosperity is not just when we experience God's blessing, it's when our children experience God's blessing. It's when our children do what is right. It's when our sons and our daughters grow up to love God and to serve God. And the sons are like plants that are grown up. Our young people, may God help them to have spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. You know where they're going to get that? From the parents, from the grandparents, from the church, from the word of God, from the Sunday school class, from the youth group that our sons may be as uh, plants grown up. Our, our sons, our, our daughters need to be rooted and grounded and planted in the word of God. They need to be protected. They need to be helped and cared for just like you would take care of a young plant or a, a new plant that you put in your yard. You and I must care for our children. And then it says our daughters be as cornerstones. A cornerstone is a strong foundational piece in the building of the house or the building of the building. But this cornerstone is not just a strong foundation. This is a cornerstone that is polished. You know, this is true of our young people, but this should be true of all of us. In our lives, there ought to be strength, but there also ought to be beauty. There ought to be the beauty and the glory of God that people look on us. I'm not talking about outward, although I think it's important to be a good testimony, but there ought to be a beauty about us. There ought to be something about us that when people see, they'll say, that person, there's something different about them. That person must know God. That person must love God. That person, they must be a child of God. There ought to be strength and there ought to be beauty. They're, 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 they're like the cornerstones that are polished after the similitude of a palace. I wonder tonight, what are we doing for our children? What are we doing to help them to become healthy plants and to become polished cornerstones? Yes, we must train up our children in the way of the Lord. Yes, we must bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then our children, God has commanded, let no man despise thy youth, but be an example of the believers. You know what I love about tonight, and I already knew what I was going to preach tonight, and I saw on that music schedule that it'd be the teen girls that would be singing. And didn't they do an amazing job? It was a beautiful song, and they all stood up here and sang and, and glorified the Lord. I appreciate Brother Nathan, Miss Grace. Thank you for working with them. Thank you for playing the piano. But can I tell you this? Uh, it ought to be our goal, not just to have a church with adults, not just to have a church with uh, uh, 40 and 50 and above, but there ought to be a church with, with, with the nursery kids. And there ought to be a church with the elementary kids. And there ought to be a church with the middle school and the high school and the college-age young people and the young adults in their 20s and 30s. And there ought to be some people that will grow up and will become healthy plants and polished cornerstones for the glory of God. Verse 13, David says that our garners, that our barns may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep, this is interesting. I wonder why David would be thinking about sheep in this psalm. Hmm, he was a shepherd, wasn't he? He said, and Lord, it wouldn't be great if our sheep were bringing forth thousands and ten thousands everywhere we turn. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be a success. That our oxen may be strong to labor and that there be no breaking in nor going out. He said, Lord, it sure would be great if your people 
They weren't trying to get out. It sure would be great if the bad guys weren't trying to get in. It'd be just great if we just had peace, if we just experienced prosperity, if we experienced your blessings. And then he says this, and wouldn't it be great if there would be no complaining in the streets? I'd actually be happy if it would just be no complaining in our homes. That'd actually be a good place to start. I'd be happy if we'd say, let's just not have any complaining in the church. Let's just not have any complaining in the car on the way home. I mean, let's just have people that want to rejoice in the Lord. God hates murmuring. God hates complaining. And David says, Lord, we want your blessing where there's no more complaining, no more griping, no more whining, no more fussing. And then he said, verse 15, happy is that people that is in such a case. Well, how do, how do we get to that spot? How do we get to that condition where we say, hey, uh, the children are doing good and our barns are full and, and we're seeing God's blessing and we're seeing prosperity and people are getting along and there's no complaining. How do we get to that point where we're happy? It says, happy is that people, here it is, whose God is the Lord. When you make the Lord first place in your life, and you put God on the throne in your life, can I tell you something? The blessing of God is following after that. You and I experience God's blessing when we do it His way. Happy, not the people who do what they want to do, but the people who do what God wants them to do. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.